and on the eighth day. God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay, wire, feed sacks, and shoe scraps, who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then paint him from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk. group that's artificial manures, we make artificial plants, which create artificial animals, which then uh, convert into artificial people who can only be kept alive with artificial. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America Show. We are going to be chatting with Joel Salatin a little bit later about uh, proper farming techniques and how how to farm without fucking everything up. Oh, it's a good one, uh, from uh, straight from the mouth of a farmer. I think he's got nine or ten books. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Worked out perfect with planting season for Canadian buddies. Yeah, you guys should enjoy. Uh, I suppose first we'll introduce our co-host over here, Mr. Graham Blubbity Blood Dunlop. Hey, buddy. How's it going? I was just thinking how fortunate we are to, you know, we're preparing for your vacation, so the listeners won't even tell that you're gone. And we're just getting to do all these great interviews, and it's kind of cool when you do a few in a row with a couple of great guests. That that's pretty cool. It's inspiring. That's gonna be a crazy couple of months. Yeah, great episodes yeah. coming up. Putting in all this extra work before the vacay. Yep, just like a job. <laughs> a job you don't get paid for. Moonlighting. <laughs> Moonlighting. Yeah, for free. It's more like interning. Grammarica.ca/support. Grammarica.ca/support. <laughs> so what's new, buddy? Not much. Oh, I've been meaning. Yeah, I got a little biohacking thing. We could talk about that too, but at some point. See how seamless rolled into that? It's almost like. I, uh, it's almost like you had that ready to go. I got the jingle board already. Ah, <laughs> I got the jingle board all ready to go. So. Anyways, this isn't much, but the cord's fucked. You know, in the spirit of Ramadan and all that, I could Ramadan? I can talk. <laughs> I can talk about my own fasting experience that I've been trying. But, okay, let's hear about it. Yeah, so I tried. I tried. Well, I did. I went like a full day, right? Just water only, no food. And you that's know, not Ramadan fasting. No, I know. I'm just saying. That the fucking cat again? Yeah, it's in. her. It's her. Anyways, forget the cat. Okay. So until she chews the cord, that's probably why this fucking cord don't work. Oh, maybe. Yeah. America, that's I'm gonna buy another cord. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay, Darren can't control his cat. 
So anyways, it's... Cat it's, fucking ruin, runs your life. That's not fair. The cat is not here by the microphone. <laughs> it's a pretty quiet cat, otherwise you'd hear it. Okay, so anyways, let's go on. So I've been wanting to do these fasts, like work up to a three-day fast or a four-day fast. There were some guys in the chat room that were inspiring as well. They've done like five days, seven days. So I started with just doing a 24-hour fast because it's, it's super healthy. I mean, I should have had some of the benefits to it, uh, to it in hand, handy here. But. So, but it's an interesting thing for mindfulness. Like, it's very interesting, the cravings for food, right? Like, all day. Noticing how hungry you are. No, it wasn't. It's not really a hunger thing. You don't even, I didn't even feel the hunger. It was the craving for food. Like, I was reaching for food and I wasn't hungry. Huh. And then I would be like, okay, just forget it forget the food have a sip of water go back to what you're doing like focus on the moment or whatever how long are you doing i want to get up to like four days the three days is a real peak where it's helpful super helpful but one day is i mean i was trying that that time compressed eating window which is like intermittent fasting where i try not to eat after an early dinner let's say and go to like eight or nine in the morning without any caloric intake that's like but that didn't last very long that's way easier than ramadan no i know I know I'm not comparing anything to Ramadan. I'm just saying like it happens to be, I know a couple of friends that are fasting and I was thinking about my experience with fasting and uh, I want to, you, know, you know, and so I tried to, so I got home. I was already like, I had gone from that previous night's dinner at like four o'clock all the way to the next day. Last and I was planning on going that night as well. And then I got home and I had a steak that I had to cook. Like I, I wasn't set up properly with influences in the house. And I just broke down and I just ate the steak. And then I got tired. I went to bed. I was super tired. Went to bed. And, but then I woke up feeling fantastic the next day. That's because you ate some food. So I tried it. <laughs> I tried it again. 26 hours and made it twice. That's it. So Without eating? Yeah. I've never gone that long. Or, or, or drinking. Anything. Just water. Just water. No, you can't do water. So, I do Ramadan. But I want to have my buddy Mike on because he did another one of those uh, cleanses, the master cleanse with the cayenne, the maple syrup, and the lemon. Next year, you should prep for it and, and do Ramadan. And he had a, like a really interesting spiritual awakening, and then he, and then he just Or not do Ramadan, apart. but you should try. Are you even listening to yes, me? Listen. Listen. You should try and do the fast next year. We can prep for it. I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. No, you can do it. No. You can do it. I'm telling you. They can't even have water. This guy I'm playing hockey with like can't even have water. Out there. So yeah, that's it. So I'm I'm working my way up. I want to do a few days here. My next year he's going to do thirty days. But then I got to tell you, I've been do I mean, I've also been sick a lot lately, which is really weird for me. But right. uh, last Saturday, last Saturday, the Saturday before, and two Saturdays a month before each of those. So there's some weird cycle with uh, weekly or monthly. I just get this like cold chill, super weak. Like I can hardly move. So when you're on and then, your period, and then I get and then I get on. You then rest. I get off it. It's my male cycle. You get a rest when you're on your period. It's my male menopause. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's not. Maybe that's what it menopause? is. Menopause. Yeah, Listen, male, you, male you menopause. Jump right to menopause. <laughs> what are you like sixty? <laughs> no, it's forty-five, fifty when that happens. Hey Siri, how old are you when you have menopause? Oh, fuck, he's getting lazy too. <laughs> hey Siri, how old are you when you have menopause? Here's what I found on the web for how old are you when you have menopause. Have a look. Oh, why doesn't he tell you? Who knows? 
Okay, forget it. That, that's a fail. It's a fail. Yeah, our AI is coming, people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what do you want to talk about next? Uh, Curry's podcasting thing? Let's get that out of here. Okay. We're going to do something with that, but we don't know what yet. But you can donate 33 bucks to get in the club. Then it kind of jumps up to like 500 bucks for the podcaster pro. So we're talking about Adam Curry's like ultimate podcast machine here. So I'll put a link in the show notes. He's got an Indiegogo going. He's like 11% of the way there. Um, this is the ultimate podcast device for podcasters who need to travel. Or even You probably don't even need it for travel, right? You could just have it. Yeah, have it but there. I would ideally just use it for travel. I mean, we got a whole fucking studio. well for us, but I mean yeah. for more, for, for other people. Like if we were starting from podcast, scratch, boom. If I was starting from scratch, that's what I'd buy. Probably. Yeah, because then you wouldn't need all this shit. Yeah, we're still getting new XLR cords and new. Well, he's still it's still XLR capable. I think two channel. So I don't think you could set up four mics from it though. Then what? It's going to come with software though for all the other stuff. I think right. Oh, you think so? I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, good luck with that, Adam. I'll link to it in the show notes. Word up. Might as well keep on promoting stuff. Got an email about our uh, our chat with Griffin. Chats. Chats. <laughs> Are you going to the Red Pill? And then the Red Pill. I'm still working on it. I don't know if I can get the time off, but I'm, I'm looking at it. That's the, red, sick, bro. That's the red Pill uh, Expo in Bozeman, Montana on June 23rd, 24th. I think that's where that Republican just beat up that journalist and still It won. is. Yeah, it is. He body slammed him. No, he didn't body. It's, it was all exaggerated. Not all of it, but he apologized. Sorry. But Sorry. that's got to give him a sign. Sorry, I body slammed you. That the people don't care that that <laughs> happened. But yeah. it was all Trump's fault. Yeah. He's been, Trump. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? So, well, this uh, red pill is, is amazing, right? There's going to be tons of speakers, all kinds of stuff like banking and Ooh, we conspiracy. Got Ty, Ty coming up too, right? So, yeah, like uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Mike Adams, Lord Christopher Moncton. He'd be good to get on. Ty Bollinger, yeah, he's coming on. Patrick Wood, Joel Saladin, our last guest there, Dan Johnson, John B. Wells, Cynthia McKinney, Alex Newman, Holly Swanson, James Corbett, Richard Gage, Jeff Berwick, John Rappaport. We've had him on. So, yeah, a lot of familiar names for people, I'm sure. That'll be a fun one. You can't miss it. I know. I was thinking even if I have to work, should I go up Friday? But that's just kind of too close. It's like an eight-hour drive. What if, when does it start? Saturday? I could probably just get the one Friday off and go Thursday right after work. When does it start? There's Friday, oh, Friday, Saturday. Friday. Yeah. All day Friday. Yeah. Full day Friday, full day Saturday. So you could just go for the Saturday too and you still get to see everyone. I know, but it's just a long fuck, 16 hour drive in three days, right? I just did that last weekend, just fucking there and back. I know. So did I. All, oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even on the same day. <laughs> we couldn't even go together. Our destinations are just different enough that we couldn't have gone together. Can you see my dash cam through the f- most of my favorite part of the drive? No, through the little valley there by Drumheller? What? Talked about this. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. I'm going to say no, and you're going to get upset. And then I say, well, did you watch mine? And you're going to say no. And then was, and we laugh. Yeah. Did you do it? Move on. <laughs> did you do it? We talked about okay, this. Okay, and no, we didn't. <laughs> yes, we did. I'm telling you. Okay. And actually, we might have talked about this in a pre-recorded intro, which will then come out after this and make it even more fucked up. 
weird little podcast purgatory. Hey, I want to play this new jingle. Okay. You have a ripple stick? Uh, yeah, I'll try. Ripple, 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 so, the um, soundboard's broken. I don't know if this is a ripple stick or a pre or a, just a synchronicity, but what would you what would you consider a ripple stick for our listeners who have never heard that before? It's like, it's like a precognitive. It's a precognitive synchronicity, or just a precog. Yeah. yeah, or gut feeling of something before it happens. Or... So this might be it, but I don't know. We'll see. But I'm going to get into the feedback on our J. Edward Griffin episode as well. Continue. So this is from. Uh, Bob. Bob. Hi, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Hey, Bob is supporting the show. Here's a th- Be like Bob. Here's a, <laughs> here's a synchro that I thought I'd send along. I was actually thinking about the email I was going to send you while it happened. That's the one about public banking, and I'll get into that in a sec. As I was also listening to the Opperman report, is that where I heard about Grimerica? I don't remember. <clears throat> Probably not. Probably not. I'm, who's that? What's that? I don't know. The Opperman Report show is about Marilyn Monroe and her affairs with JFK and RFK. As presented by the offer of a new book called The Murder of Marilyn Monroe, Case Closed. It's quite sad and disturbing, mirroring my thoughts in general about this strange, tawdry, violent, and celebrity-besought place called America. Then in brackets, he puts Grimerica. Filled with the most beautiful landscapes and people. This is happening as I'm walking through Central Park to get to the Met... And that's the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, where I live. Artists sell their stuff on the sidewalk outside the mat on the edge of the park. As I turn to leave the park and walk towards the museum, I practically bump into this painting. And it's a painting here, Historical Figures by Sophia the Fourth, or IV. <laughs> Darren. So, and it's got a picture of what, who must be Marilyn Monroe, but I don't know the guy beside her. Let's see. Can you turn it? He looks Who familiar. I don't know. A gray-haired, gray-haired, balding Joe, dude. Joe DiMaggio. Really? I don't know. I don't know. So, anyways, he looks like he's from a couple eras before Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. So, what anyways, is that, what is that? What is that? It's just a. Painting by an artist, so is it supposed to be supposed to have some sort of historical context? Well, yeah, because he was listening to what the painting itself oh, or it's the synchro. So the painting isn't supposed to be of Marilyn Monroe. It's just a coincidence. It's a it's a ripple stick. There's no such thing as coincidences. He was he was listening to the show and he was talking with, about Marilyn and all that. Yeah, yeah, listening to us, thinking about us. So, anyways, this is his feedback on Griffin. Dear boys, I much enjoy your podcast. I love the wide range and open-minded thinking, all the reading and exploration that you do. I've considered writing a few times, but the G. Edward Griffin show has me itched to respond. Griffin was spot on about the illusions that have been fostered on us, but I find it very odd that he did not mention public banking. After his book on the Federal Reserve, which is neither, neither federal nor reserve, one might think it would be the first on his list of predatory Illusions to shatter. Public banking is a very simple and popular solution to the ravages of unbridled capitalism. It is a collective bank loaning money at the statewide level and charging very little interest. 
Wall Street then sees no profit from desperately needed public works projects paid for by the people's money. At present, Wall Street can skim hundreds of millions of dollars for public works projects by underwriting them. They have bankrupt many towns and cities and governments, forcing them to take out even more loans. North Dakota has a, has a public bank in its most economically vibrant state in the country, even during the crash of the oil prices recently. Please visit Ellen Brown's site. I'm sure she would come on your show. And she is the current most foremost authority on public banking. There are now measures to bring public banking to New Jersey and California. Even cities can have their own public banks, and many are being proposed. It's the perfect place for the left and right to converge. Public banking is the real solution. So, of course, big-time Democratic New York Times columnist and famous economist Paul Krugman never mentions it either. Imagine my shock. So, he goes on. He says, Griffin's uh, constant pejorative use of the word collectivism really bugged me. He was eloquent about the sovereignty of the individual, with which I wholeheartedly agree, using his interest metaphor of trees and forests, but he never acknowledges that a human being cannot survive on his or her own. Even hermits have people bring them food. Backwoodsmen have to come to town at least twice a year. We need others to survive. And we have to organize ourselves as groups to survive. Even marriage. Is that not a collective? Is the family type collective? Then there are groups of families, tribes, or small towns are collective, and so on. It being true that the larger the collective, the more abstract it becomes, the more religion-like, and thus the more oppressive of individual liberties. This is our problem. Almost no mammal, or any animal for that matter, can survive alone, and almost every mammal organizes itself into various forms of collective behavior. The human predicament seems to be how to organize a fair and just collective while honoring individual sovereignty. I hold the belief that most humans believe in fairness. It seems intrinsic to human consciousness, minus the sociopaths, of course. The tension of opposites, of freedom and responsibility, the individual and the collective, the one and the many determines much of our character. It is an ongoing part of the human condition, and it needs to be clearly discussed in those terms. I find it odd that Griffin's Fed book mentioned the CIA twice in 350 pages, yet it mentioned socialism countless times as the great boogeyman. The CIA was founded from people from Wall Street and primarily makes world safe for Wall Street. Socialism does not have to mean totalitarian, yet is profoundly demonized and sounds suspiciously close to Griffin's collectivism. Griffin advocates the gold standard, which could change almost nothing about the Federal Reserve System or banking system. It is the sheer amount of interest charge on fiat currency that keeps us in bondage to the central banks. And by shunning collectivism, I fear he is actually tarnishing public banking, the fair, simple, and just alternative. I say the terms to use are the people versus the elites. They have certainly collectivized, so we damn well better. But the tactics of the divide and conquer always prevail over the people. Public banking seems to me a place where the people can agree and fight the illusionists. His advocacy for seeking political power, something I highly agree with, at least shows a faith in collective action based on fairness. Peace and good health, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, it's good feedback. Like he's, you know, he's criticizing constructively and he's also talking about stuff where he was individualism yeah yeah that's what he's saying yeah I think he's saying it's collectivism hmm no I think he's uh, 
Like I look at individualism as more being about rights, right? Less about us not being in groups and working together and doing it's things. rights you know, exactly it's that's what i was rights. thinking like yeah I, have, it's, I as an individual have the right yeah. to own property i as an individual have the right not to vaccinate i as an individual have the right to whatever yeah yeah and fucking the as greater long as you're good not doesn't harming, as long as you're not harming me. yeah the somebody. greater good doesn't fucking you know, like, yeah, it just how, that as, helps the greater good. Yeah. As that, long as that my right. fucking freedom doesn't infringe on anyone else's shit or hurt them, yeah. then it shouldn't matter. Yeah. You know, yeah, shit shouldn't be able thing. to be illegal for the greater good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. It's just where, where does hurt? It's just hard to define hurt, right? Or your harm. You know, you're free unless you harm somebody. Well, is calling them a name harming them? Is hitting them harming them? Like, hitting them is harming You know, them. obviously, well, yeah, I mean, that's obvious, but. What I'm I'm talking about those gray areas, right? That's yeah. where, yeah, that's where we get caught. But anyways, this is a great email, good feedback, and both no ta- negative no and positive. Are very extremely limited taxes, right? That's where what my my problem with it is when it starts getting into they, t- you know, the more is where they just start taking more and more and more of your money, yeah, and then deciding how to divvy it up. Well, I think that's why he's, he's also pushing for public banking, right? Yeah, Get them exactly. off that's that, that central I banking think that system. Public banking right? is a form of collectivism or of individualism. Yeah. And that's part of the solution. It's a like macro that. of individualism. Yeah. Well, that might be fucking completely. Do wrong. we have, do we know? don't really have a lot of public. Is that like a, like a, the, what do they, what do they call those up here? The credit community union? credit union, right? It's probably something like that. Yeah. That's right. Probably something like that. I do think that is a real solution because, I mean, otherwise, you know, whether the gold standard is in effect or not, if it's coming through the central banks, you know, you're still getting dinged with all the interest and it's still going through them, right? Instead right. of through the people directly or, or even the government for that matter. The fucking government. Okay. Anagram going deep It's a profound UFO quote of a week Words to ponder and critique It's a profound UFO quote of the week So I got a different one this week Mow, 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 This is a... This is a paradigm research group. That's a, this is an email from them. So it's going to be a couple quotes mixed in here and a little bit of a story. So Steve Bassett, the ex executive director, he's the one that was uh, hoping for Hillary to disclose the truth of UFOs. He's been working on this hard for I many know, yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. We all know who Bassett is and his, well, he had the Senate hearings or whatever, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm practically a ufologist. So I got a quote from him here, actually. What the keepers of the truth embargo either fail or refuse to realize is a post-disclosure world could be the bridge between U.S., China, and Russia that would permit the necessary geopolitical realignments to set a new course away from the seemingly permanent war economies, wasting vital resources, and keeping the world always on the brink. So what he's saying is he's had this, uh, he's also linking to an interview with Robert Bigelow. Do you remember that guy? From yes. The, yeah. He, consciousness. No, no, no. Robert Bigelow is, uh, he's he the, the thing to take E.T. home? No, that's close. That's, uh, 
Ben Rich from Skunk Works. Who's Bigelow then? He's so Bigelow, got the ranch, the Skinwalker He's got ranch. Bigelow Aerospace, and yeah, he invent, he just spent millions researching all this stuff, right? Yeah. So billionaire Robert Bigelow of, of Bigelow Aerospace finally said publicly what hundreds of millions of people around the world already know to be true, as he said it, and he said it on CBS 60 Minutes last night. Here's the key excerpt from the interview with Lara Logan. And this is, uh, but on this canyon road just outside Las Vegas, Robert Bigelow's story takes a turn that some may find, to put it lightly, improbable. He told us this is where his grandparents had a close encounter with a UFO. It really sped up and came right in their face and filled up the entire windshield of the car, and it took off at a right angle and shot off into the distance. The story sparked his obsession and explains the alien looking out from the side of Bigelow Aerospace. And it made for the kind of conversation you don't already have, you don't ordinarily have with an accomplished CEO. So, Lara, I'll, I'll read you the interview here. Lara Croft, Lara Logan. <laughs> Do you believe in aliens? That's a great stripper name, Robert. I'm absolutely convinced. That's all there is to it. Do you also believe that UFOs have come to you Earth? Do it in a girl voice. Can't do that. You also believe that aliens come to Earth? There has been an ex- and is an existing presence, an ET presence. I've spent millions and millions and millions. I've probably spent more as an individual than anybody else in the United States has ever spent on this subject. Is it too risky for you to say in public that you believe in UFOs and aliens? I don't give a damn. I don't care. You won't worry that some people will say, did you hear that guy? He sounds like he's crazy. I don't care. Why not? It's not going to make a difference. It's not going to change the reality of what I know. Do you imagine that in our space travels, we will encounter other forms of intelligent life? You don't have to go anywhere. You can find it here. Oh, no, that was a question. <laughs> you can find it here? Where exactly? It's just right under people's noses. Oh my gosh. Wow. So this is the worst UFO party <laughs> ever. <laughs> You're lucky I got deleted the train wreck jingle. (laughs) For decades, CBS 60 Minutes has avoided the ET issue and with great resolve. It simply would not cover the subject. Better late than never. And PRG tips its hat to Robert Bigelow. Thank you. So hello, Elon Musk and Richard Branson. Would you care say what you really think about the extraterrestrial presence? Nothing invigorates like the speaking truth to power. A better finish? Great quote. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Well done. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grind America. Where did I uh, leave, huh? I don't know, but, you know, you didn't even give me a chance to segue into the my review of Unacknowledged. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was by design. So we have. Where are you? Are you reading from the YouTubers? The YouTubers, yeah. Not the chats? On number 188. What is wrong with the ducking cops in this ducking world? Control freak psychopaths. I forget what we talked about that he would have. I forget. I don't know. So why are you even reading one that's irrelevant like that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, here we go. No, not going to read that one. 
Why not? No, I'm not gonna read that. Why not? No, I'm not gonna read that one. Are they supporting Graham or something? Okay, the problem with the CIA reading room is it's kind of uh, hard to read. <laughs> Made me laugh so hard it hurt. <laughs> Granted, I did crack a rib falling off my bike yesterday, so just breathing kind of hurts. LOL. Oof. And he says, Welly is indeed short for Wellington in this context. Also, Leicester is pronounced Lester. Yeah, I said that. And no, not in a UK pot. And no, I'm not. Oh, he must have typoed. He means, oh no, I'm not a UK posse member. I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> I ain't afraid of no ghost. Is the Graham Ghostbuster lookalike meme making a resurgence this episode? Oh my God. I, I forgot, forgot about, about that. that. that everyone, who was it who pictured you as Ray from Ghostbusters? Nap, I think, yeah. probably. Ah, what else do we Thank you guys for the time you invest in making these. On a side note, it's been bugging me since I found you guys about a year ago on whom Graham's voice sounds like. Finally figured it out, but don't want to say as it might never get out of listeners' heads. <laughs> if you read this and want to hear it, let me know. Once again, thanks for all you guys do. So email me that directly. DarrenEckerMarker.com I'm the only one who needs to know. Could work out well. Uh, another one. Wow, the story was incredible and made so made me cry about the man whose arms were destroyed with the precognitive thought. Yeah. Perhaps whatever it was, great story, and I hope he lives a long, long, happy life. Surviving all that, he's a freaking rock star. Thanks for taking the space to read his story. Also agreed, you did did read it well. Thanks as always, gents. Great episode. Aww. Thank you. Who was that from? BC. Excellent show. I enjoy Dave. He is missed, and you guys did a good job with your guest and on the show. Very gracious in letting the man talk. Who was that? The original B-Rad. Huh. No, I mean, what guest? McGowan. Dave McGowan. Oh, wow. We have been living under the feminine principle for thousands of years, at least since Christianity, Mary, and the Zoroastrians, have we not? Zoroastrians? Zoroastrian. <laughs> that was on the Carmen Bolter. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the chats, I, well, so I guess oh, 100, yeah, 150 is the limit. Oh, no way. So we maxed, what? we maxed it out. Well, that's stupid. And other people were trying to join. Oh, and they couldn't get in there, wondering yeah. why they so couldn't I, get so in there. Frustrated. Imagine how frustrating that would be. And I was like, well, there's lots of people that aren't participating. But then we were like, well, how do we decide who's participating? So we just decided to go with everyone who didn't have a logo or an avatar. Got, uh, got booted? Got booted. And not by me. I enlisted that power to Grimstake so that I could keep my hands clean, but he dealt with it swiftly. Um, so if you did get booted and you're wondering why, that's why. Come back, avatar up. Well, in the meantime, we'll try and come up with another solution. Yeah, I think uh, failed is going to look into like a forum, he said, on his week off. But that's still not going to. So if we could maybe move most of the people into the forum that want to sign up and the regulars could be in the chat. Well, you had you had an idea about Because the chat seemed great because, I mean, people are connecting, making podcasts. Like, it's a shame to have it be full unless we just charge people. No, we, we don't want to do that. that. So anyway, that's that was my thought is. Perhaps. Good. So anyway, if you got kicked out, 
come back, make an avatar. We've got room for 30 people still right now. And if you're in there and you're not liking it and you're not thinking you're going to participate much, then uh, you can always just leave. Take off, eh? And make room for for other people while we try and come up with a system. I was going to switch to WhatsApp because you're allowed like 256 there. But Why don't we go to that other one that that, um, that, he, that guy suggested? Oh, we should research that. Check it out. I had I was in there. I, I went. I, I tried it, and I was in there. You were in there too, weren't you? No, not really. Send it to me again. You won't read it if I send Put it to you. Put some stars in the <laughs> subject or something. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the other thing is, I mean, we've been wanting to do an app forever now. I don't know what the fuck happened with that Libsyn shit. Oh, yeah, we have one, actually, that we're supposed to, but that's not going to be the one we want for chats and stuff like that. No, so that's why I'm thinking of just doing, you know, maybe it's time to start saving up or looking at doing an app that can maybe incorporate the chats and things like that, you know, like a decent app, which has cost a ton of money and we don't get a lot of money, so we might as well spool right into grammarica.ca slash support, but alternatively, if one of you knows or builds app or, you know, knows someone who does that can give us a deal or do it as on a value-for-value value basis for us or something like that. That's That'd be what I'm more interested in if someone there builds apps or has any ideas on how to build them. or Yeah. You know, ideally you'd want it to play the podcast, download the podcast episodes, maybe possibly incorporate the blogs. Have a perpetual chat. And then have the perpetual chat. Chats. <laughs> Chats. With unlimited um, people. And I'm trying to think of that that one that like my sister uses for, for her work, and on that the guy suggested that we go on. Yeah, we checked that out. I know WhatsApp is different. I can't because find it's, it now. It though. goes by phone numbers and stuff, right? So not everyone wants to give their phone number up. What about Signal? Is one of those? Would that work with more people? I don't know. I just can't believe there's a limit like that. Only 150. Like. We could check the Signal. We could look into the Signal actually. But no, signal links to a phone number, too. I wonder if I can see the phone number. Where's my signal at? I don't have any. But I think you can fucking go in and see all the phone numbers, right? So that's what people don't want to do. So it's got to be one that's a username-based and not... Um. A phone number based. Slack. Slack? Yeah. Oh, we'll check into that. Slack is the or one. Or if anyone else has any alternatives, but yeah, like I say, it'd be cool to have an app that did all that. We could have our own little thing. So if you know how to do that, or know someone that does, get in touch with us. Uh, if not, check out grammarica.ca slash support and sign up for a monthly there. Do a one-time donation, and maybe we can just save up some money and pay for something like that. I'm sure it's a few thousand dollars. Guaranteed. Yeah. What about the unaffiliated, uh, I mean, the... Uh... Un- unacknowledged. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to save it for next time? Uh, we could save it. Yeah, we might as well save okay. it. What else do you got? Was that everything we wanted to talk about? I yeah, think so. I mean, I got more feedback from um, listeners and synchronicities and trip reports and stuff. I'll save them up. I thought there was one other thing we wanted to talk about. Oh, I went to the Chili Peppers yesterday. The Chili Peppers what? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Concert? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How was it? It was good. Really? Where were they? still fucking put on a great show. Really? Where'd they play? Salvo. Oh, wow. I had seats and shit. Too old for that other shit. I know. But they had that crazy, like, holographic light display. Oh, cool. So it's all these lights hanging on cables that can move around all 
three dimensionally. Oh wow! Yeah, something else. Yeah, I haven't been to a show because I used to go to concerts all the time. Yeah, but I've been to a show and probably I went and seen Ice Cube last year, but that's stampede shit. That's not the same. So it's yeah. been a while since I've been to a concert. How's the sound though? Doesn't that place suck for the sound? The saddle dome. Yeah, I think. Or they figure out a way to fix it. Can they buffer it or something? Or yeah, I don't know. It sounded fine. Hmm. Yeah, it sounded good. I was smoking a lot. Because apparently that's why they can't, they don't want to keep that yeah, they fucking had, stadium, well, yeah, right? Yeah, like, trouble. People used to, like the last couple of times Tool came through, they wouldn't come. Isn't that amazing? You build a massive it stadium It might have like something that. to do with hanging their speakers or whatever they want from the ceiling. They can't hang their shit from the ceiling. Hmm. That's the problem with keeping the door open. Yeah. <laughs> the gate would catch most things. Yeah. But not the ambulance. Yeah. Well, hopefully they're okay. So that's it? Yep. Okay, guys. That's all we got. Enjoy the chat with uh, Mr. Joel Salatin. He's a great guest. Gramble will see him in a couple of weeks. Hopefully. All right, guys. Enjoy the chat. It's a good one. Plant some shit. Grow some food. only the 224th episode (laughs) you'll get it eventually (laughs) all right so tonight we've got with us joel saladin he's uh he calls himself a christian libertarian environmentalist capitalist lunatic farmer actually some call him the most popular farmer in the world the high priest of the pasture he's been included in uh, documentaries like food inc he's written lots of books and he co-owns the polyface farm in virginia uh, really, really interesting stuff about uh, reclaiming the, the soil and, and beyond organic farming. And it's uh, really glad, happy to have you on the show. Joel, welcome uh, to Grand America. Wonderful. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. The timing couldn't be better because I'm actually uh, getting all the dirt for my garden this weekend. So it's perfect. Mm. And I'll be planting next weekend. We Wonderful. Have, Good for you. We have a pretty short season in Canada. <laughs> in Calgary, yeah. It's like four <laughs> months probably. Do you do any, um, do either of you do any season extension? You know, solariums or row covers, tall tall tunnels, that sort of thing? No, to be honest, I'm not, uh, I haven't really gotten that serious about gardening. This will be our mine and my wife's third kick at it. Uh, the first two didn't go so well, but we've learned a lot, a lot more. Now I grow some plants in the house, and I've learned some stuff there. So I think this year we're uh, we're kind of ready to hit the ground running and starting with a lot better dirt than we've had before. Good, 
good. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, well, you you know, whenever you uh, start something new, um, most people most people don't succeed, not because they don't have a gift or a talent or an aptitude for being able to do it, but just that they're not willing to go through the learning slog. <laughs> so uh, congratulations on staying with it. Um, you know, you got you to gotta kill, a, kill a lot of plants before you learn how to grow them. That seems to be the case with everything, including <laughs> podcasting. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> so I suppose to start... Um, You've got you've got your ten books and all these these things about farming and uh, I sort of I think most of our listeners know there's a problem with the agricultural system, but I was thinking maybe you could kind of give us a quick a quick rundown of why a guy like you needs to be around right now and and what we've got so wrong. Oh wow, uh, that's a good that's a good opener. Um, I would I would just start with uh, the point that our current uh, food system is depleting the commons, depleting our resource base, both uh, in terms of uh, potable water, breathable air, uh, soil. Uh, we are we are depleting it, you know, faster than we ever have. We, you know, in human history, uh, for the first time, human activity is actually. Um, moving more soil than, than wind and floods and volcanoes and all those kinds of things, the actual tonnage of soil. So, um, you know, we, our, our impact on the earth is, is humongous, and, so, and it's never been larger. So we'd better figure out how to, how to, how to touch this um, ecological womb uh, with an umbilical of help, not one that that hurts it. So um, anyway, there, there, there's a tremendous amount of of, uh, of of stuff going on ecologically that's bad. Secondly, anyone who's alive today and knows anything knows that we have a brand new lexicon of squiggly Latin words. They're always italicized in a text. That if you're more than 50 years old, you can remember never hearing these words. Words like E. coli, Salmonella, Campylobacter, Listeria bovine, spongiform, encephalopathy, uh, and, and a host of others. Um, and this, this is because they are relatively new. Now, you know, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a brand new bug. They've, they've been around for a long time, but they've never surfaced uh, in our food supply like they are now. And, um, and so the, the factory farming idea of, of um, our current orthodoxy is increasing pathogenicity and toxicity at alarming rates, and of course we're we're trying to control it with you know vaccines and pharmaceuticals and and chlorine sterilization and that sort of thing. But um, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know the, the pathogens these, these bugs are mutating and adapting and dividing and having babies. Um, you know, uh, uh, faster than a generation a day, and so the idea of trying to stay ahead of them with a new uh, a new brew is um, is kind of a pipe dream. And uh, I would say that the third thing, if we want to just do three three big ones, uh, so that's you know just the overall pathogenicity and toxicity of the food system uh, that, that's, that's essentially nature batting last. And I would say the third thing 
is just the um, the nutrient deficiency of our food. I mean, you don't have to go very far to realize that, you know, uh, cabbage has whatever, you know, like 30% of the nutrition that it did 50 years ago. Um, you know, e- eggs eggs are, are um, in many essential fatty acids, for example, factory eggs are, uh, you know, a tenth uh, as potent as an egg that's raised from a chicken that's running on pasture and gets salad bar and green material. Wow. Um, so, so, and, and then you have the whole, you know, the whole polyunsaturated fats. You have, you know, you have this, this whole, um, you know, the food pyramid that came out in 1979 that basically put Twinkies and, and uh, Fruit Loops on the base of it and gave us you know, type 2 diabetes and obesity. Um, and 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 so our our food does not it does not pack the punch anymore because we're raising it on artificials. And I'll just conclude with this: you know, in 1943, the arguably the founder of sustainable agriculture, a Britisher named Sir Albert Howard, who developed the aerobic uh, composting, the scientific aerobic composting method, um, brought to the world his legacy book, An Agricultural Testament, in 1943, and in that, he says, he says, when we start growing plants with artificial manures, that's what he called chemical fertilizers, we grow plants with artificial manures, we make artificial plants, which create artificial animals, which then uh, convert into artificial people <laughs> who can only be kept alive with artificials, and you know, that was 1943. And uh, certainly, you know, those words were prophetically prescient, you know, as we look back. And uh, so we're, you know, we're headed. I mean, this is what the, this is the first generation now that thinks they won't live as long as their as their parents. Um, you know, the U.S. now leads the world in the five uh, chronic non-infectious uh, uh, causes of illness. You know, heart disease, um, cancer, and um, you know, and. and these are these are not numbers to be proud of. There are some things you want to be number one in. You know, the U.S. Olympics gymnastics team. You know, that's a that's a good thing to be number one in. But to be number one in in chronic uh, illness, um, probably not where you want to be number one in the world. So we've got we've got some issues, and it's time to start addressing them. And it it seems like it is being addressed. It seems like we're turning a corner a little bit. I mean, I'm we've got farmers markets all over the place now and people trying to go local and grow their own food and it's kind of happening all over but just recently i'd watched a movie i think it was called uh sustainable and it and it, i think it talks about the similar type stuff that you guys are doing over there at polyface where kind of restructuring the land in a natural way and it's really inspiring and hopeful like i feel like we've turned the corner away like now sugar's finally being demonized like it should be it should have been like we're finding out that those you know, scientific studies were sort of corrupt back in the, I don't know if you, you even sort of mentioned that era in the seventies or whatever. Right. So I, I, I've got hope that we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the official, um, you know, the official safe, uh, tolerance level for hydrogenated vegetable oil is zero. <laughs> um, you know, and of course, of course the government told us the government, uh, you know, dietitians, um, food experts told us for 40 years to get rid of that lard and butter, you know, and and eat uh, hydrogenated vegetable oils. And uh, now the the, you know, the recommended dosage, safe dosage, is zero. Um, so yeah, I I very much appreciate 
um, the the awareness that is dawning on a certain segment of the population, but it's still extremely small. Um, you know, when you compare the amount of food, for example, sold at farmers markets uh, compared to, say, through Walmart uh, or, or or you know, GMO uh, genetically modified organism foods, um, you know, I'll say our side is um, arguably between 1.9 and you know, 4% mm. of the food system. So, you know, it's, it's still very, very small. And, um, and generally speaking, you know, if there's hot pockets in the fridge, NFL on the tube, and the Kardashians are still on the front page of People magazine, life is good and nobody worries about the future uh, or, or nobody, nobody thinks about their health or, the, you know, the planetary future. Uh, you know, we still live in, a, in an extremely, um, you know, uh, non-participatory, apathetic time. But yes, I am glad for every every single person, every single you know wake up uh, uh, epiphany where somebody says, "Hmm, you know, um, um, we've got a problem, and I'm part of the solution, not that other guy, not somebody over there. I'm not going to wait on them. I'm not going to wait for a new policy, a new agency." Um, I am the solution. And so that's very exciting. Yeah. It's almost like a food revolution. I wanted to touch on that nutrient deficiency problem. Now, is that you were talking about a head of cabbage having 30% less nutrients? Is that, um, um, is that like across the board or is that like uh, supermarket cabbage? Oh, uh, it's supermarket cabbage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's if if cabbage is grown in a really in like you know compost, uh, good compost and good mineralized soil, uh, it's every bit as good as what Grandma had. Because I've but even most heard. Cabbage... Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've even heard people talking about how um, in thirty years, like um, pieces of corn and things like that are going to be like less than 1% of their original nutrient value of something grown organically. Uh, I, that wouldn't surprise me. I, you know, um, it's, it's always interesting to listen to um, forecasters. <laughs> they're, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But certainly in the, the, the trajectory that we are on, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a safe bet that... Well, you know, there's an old uh, Chinese saying that says, uh, if we keep going the way we're going, we're going to end up where we're headed. <laughs> and, you know, when the, you know, when the average, um, when the average bushel of corn takes, you know, four bushels of soil, uh, it, 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 you know, destroys four bushels of soil uh, through erosion to grow, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a very unsustainable thing. You know, the average, the average morsel of food is, is costing way more out of the out of the uh, resource base than it's putting in and um and you know that that trajectory is a is a no-win trajectory so somehow we have to move that trajectory you know to a different to a different arc well at least it's good to know that and so that would mean that even um what what does like grow light lettuce say have compared to sun sun lettuce? Is that still would that still be better than store bought? 
<laughs> generally, generally not. Um, when you when you come out of the soil, now you know that's going to open up a can of worms here uh, <laughs> about you know hydroponics, aquaponics, aeroponics, <laughs> yeah, all yeah. that stuff. But I I can tell you so far the tests that have been done on soilless growth systems have not been encouraging. Yes, it's beautiful and it grows a lot of bulk and volume, but it doesn't last. It, it wilts very, very fast, which is indicative of a lack of, you know, lack of luster, lack of life uh, vitality, um, a, a, as well as you know, uh, nutrient deficiency, things like that. Now, the one, the one place where uh, I'm not ready to just um, write it off, whatever, uh, <laughs> where I'm not ready to to impugn uh, categorically soilless systems is in aquaponic systems that use a medium uh, in, the, in the growth medium. In other words, it's not hydroponic. It's, it, it, they, sometimes they use glass marbles. Sometimes oh, yeah, they use cocoa different or... kinds. Of, yeah, little, little pebbles. Yeah, exactly. Cocoa, um, um, cocoa puffs. <laughs> Co- you know, cocoa. Uh, um, They're like little pellets or uh, something. Material, I yeah, yeah. So like and, I'll and, grow and my the... lettuce inside in a pot with some dirt in it. Yeah, yeah, good, good. I was so. Good. I guess my question is more about like, do those nutrients come from the light source or from the sun, or, or sorry, from the light source or from the soil? The nutrients come from the soil, but the light source is what drives the, um, of course, the the photosynthesis uh, system, which the the photosynthesis creates the carbohydrates in the plant that the plant then um, negotiates with the minerals in the soil uh, to, to uptake. So I like to, I like to think about the soil as kind of a, uh, a, 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 a cafe, an underground cafe. Um, and the thing that comes to mind, of course, because it's so fun to be dramatic and theatrical about these sorts of things, is uh, you know Star Wars where Han Solo is in that uh, cafe and Luke Skywalker goes to find a, you know he needs to find a ship and you got that you know all those weird beings you know playing the saxophone you know playing these weird instruments and they're dancing around all this this uh, this uh, intergalactic cafe well that's the way it is in the soil you know and so you've got a you know a, uh, an actinomycetes that says uh, hey I'll trade you three borons for you know for two um, for two molecules of that uh, uh, sugar, and uh, so there's this there's this whole you know commercial smorgasbord uh, going on down in the underground cafe. So the grow lights are driving the the energy to sustain to to energize that whole uh, commerce going on underground, but the actual mineral content is coming up out of the soil, and it's actually very small. Uh, miner- the mineral content is primarily a catalyst, uh, a catalyst that allows the plant to fully you know, do what the plant's supposed to do. And so it really takes, it, it, it's amazingly how little mineral it takes. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're incredibly important. I don't want to minimize the importance, but relative to the, to the amount of vegetation in the plant, uh, it takes very, very little mineral to um, to fully leverage that source of light, whether it's a grow light, sunlight, whatever it is. 
So that's good news. So in a place like Calgary, where we only have a short, we have real short growing season, sometimes some years especially. Like so, what you're sure. saying is, is if we're gonna do it inside, it's 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 not oh, too man, bad doing like, it with like three little fourteen inch pots and a like two hundred watt LED light. I've got like more lettuce than I can eat. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Good for you. And and the technology for that is certainly you know is certainly coming on. That's one of the fun things of being in this you know in this space in this movement is enjoying the, um, you know, this kind of from LED technology to little, um, little hanging plants and, uh, um, you know, a vertical, you know, vertical gardens where you take a, where they, you know, you can purchase these kits or like a PVC pipe, you pack it full of compost. It's got pockets in it and you can grow all your herbs in this little six inch by whatever, you know, three foot tall, uh, piece of PVC pipe. Um, uh, you know, we have a, we have a, uh, an actual 55 gallon plastic barrel, uh, here by our sales building on the farm. It's got, I think it's 50, 54 pockets in it. And, uh, the amount, and you just pack it full of soil and compost and it's got a, it's got a, um, a place where you can water it and a, and a hole in the bottom where you can catch the water out the bottom and pour it back in. So you just keep recycling the water through, mm. but you I mean, that's that thing. You can grow uh, an incredible number of plants, um, in the, in the pockets in that little, uh, plastic barrel. So, you know, I mean, there was a guy in, um, read about a guy, I think it was Kenya. It was in Africa. I think it was Kenya where he went down and got a bunch of old used, uh, 24 inch diameter, um, culverts. And he took a torch and knocked pockets in them, and he stood them up, cut them 12 feet long, stood them up on end, packed them full of compost, and planted broccoli in there. And he was growing the equivalent of, I think it was something like 25 acres of broccoli <laughs> in one acre because they were they were only these vertical tubes. And um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of of that kind of intensity that can be done, um, you know, in, in your house in a very small space and it's pretty cool. Yeah. I just worry about the lighting. Cause they're, you know, as far as like even how LEDs affect us, right. They're finding that there's a frequency and that we have to, it affects our, our brain and our vision to try and keep up with that frequency. Right. Like, so I'm, I'm worried about yeah, the like nat- natural lighting. Notice right? it, like, when I come out of there, everything's kind of green looking, Yeah, but it's not like I'm spending more than 10 minutes in that room a day. No, but if it's not good for us, is it good for plants? That's kind of my thing, right? Like well, CO2 is good for plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, there are full spectrum lights. And, uh, and, you know, full spectrum lighting, uh, we're, you're getting a little bit beyond my pay grade here, <laughs> but, um, but, but, but I can, I can sure assure you that those, those kinds of questions, um, there are answers out there. And, and I know that full spectrum, full spectrum light, which is which supposedly completely mimics the, all the, um, short waves, long waves and color spectrum of, uh, sunlight. Um, you know, there, there's, again, there's a lot of work that's been done in this. They're, they're mm-hmm. available and, um, you know, you can do it, but, but beyond that, remember, you know, in Calgary, here's the, here's the thing you guys talking about how, you know, you don't have that much light, don't have that much light. You know, I was just up in, uh, I just spent a week in Alaska two weeks ago and 
I was in Alaska. Now, get this. Uh, two weeks ago in Alaska, so that would have been, what, May the... Yeah, to the beginning like of May. May yeah, the beginning of May in um, Fairbanks, which is, you know, north of Anchorage. And I was visited a farm there that had... Um, already had tomatoes on tomato vines in a greenhouse, and it was uh, you know it was it was super insulated, built into the side of a hill, so it was it was uh, partially underground, which gave it a lot of insulation capacity. Had a wood stove in there with with water pipes uh, that ran through the planting bed. So we have these you have these planting boxes, big. Big, you know, coffin about you know the size of coffins with two hot water tubes running through them. The the water uh, just circulates and keeps their keeps their toes warm. And um, you know, first of May in Fairbanks, she had you know uh, five foot tall tomatoes, and um, and so you know the beauty of places like Calgary, places in the north, is Yes, there are dark times, but when the sun does start coming, the amount of daylight is incredible. I mean, it, it was daylight at midnight. It was it was light enough to see it still at midnight, and then at four o'clock in the morning. So my point is that you get the same amount of daylight we get here in Virginia. It's just compressed. Yeah. So the the, the trick is the trick is to have your um, you know have your infrastructure your ducks in a row, we'd call it, uh, so that when that light really starts coming, you can leverage it and capitalize on all that light. And you can grow just as much as we can. Um, in a shorter period you know, of time. If, 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 yeah, in a shorter period of time. That's why, you know, in Alaska, they grow, you know, eight-pound heads of cabbage in four weeks. Why? Because they, you know, they get, they get the amount of daylight that we get. They, they get it in four weeks, what, you know, what it takes us eight weeks to get. So, um, so you know, it, it, it's easy to look at the limitations, um, but I would encourage you to look at the, you know, look at the opportunity, and realize that there's a lot that can be done there, um, because there is a, you know, a, a highlight period. And then, and then what you do is, when you are able to grow so much stuff so fast, then you, you know, then you uh, um, preserve it, you know, whether it's dehydration or canning or smoking or whatever, um, freezing, but, uh, you, you preserve it then and you create your own, you create your larder. You know, that's a word we don't hear much anymore, larder, but you create your own larder, uh, for the, you know, for the off season. I mean, that's, that's how all of our ancestors did it. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard for us to imagine a day before the supermarket, but, Supermarkets really only came in about 1945-46, and um, so there was a whole lot of human uh, human civilizational activity before 1945-46, uh, before the supermarket. So, um, yeah, yeah it's uh, it can it can be done. Yeah, that's a good point. Who did we have on who was talking about those domes that if you dig down ten feet and you're if you yeah. dug down ten feet, you could plant with a dome over it and it'd be okay too. Yeah, Richard Miller, I think, and he had did he he was selling the geodesic or installing the geodesic domes that are buried half buried like a greenhouse dome, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, the the, the, the earth sheltered uh, the earth sheltered greenhouse. But you, essentially, you're taking the thermal the thermal heat of the earth, which everywhere um, you know you go down ten or twelve feet, it's roughly the there's a little difference in temperature in the, between the tropics and the and and you know Calgary, but not a whole lot. And so you get down there at a certain point, and um, you know it's in the 50 degree range. Well, you know from from 50 degrees, I mean there there's stuff that that'll actually grow at 50 degrees. Um, you know, hardy lettuce and cabbage and things like that. And if you put any solar gain over it, you know, uh, uh, a trans a transparent uh, covering, and then where you can run that temperature on up to you know, 80 in the daytime, and then you put your heat sink in, you know, some barrels of water painted black or, you know, big uh, uh, monoliths or, or concrete or big rocks or some people, you know, pour, uh, pour gravel in there and run, um, you know, just run a leaky pipe through so you can, you know, blow air through and the air just percolates up through the rocks and, and overnight. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can, uh, you know, that you can hold that heat and and extend the season. I mean, I I think it's just important to understand that if if we were as aggressively creative about doing the kind of things that we're talking about right now as we are how to build more roads, more trucks, and harvest more petroleum to import, you know, lettuce from California to Calgary in the winter time. It, <laughs> If we if we changed our focus and did the same level of of innovation, creativity, and 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 entrepreneurism in what we've just been talking about, as opposed to our current orthodoxy, it, it would be hard for us right now to imagine what the future could look like. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about that a little bit uh, about how you did that at Polyface. Like before we before we run out of time here, like I watched your little um your video on on the website and all that, and it's really fascinating how you reclaim the land. I don't know what, even what you would call it specifically, but but uh, how you naturally you know move move the animals around and it's all grass fed stuff and the soil gets better and everything. Like you're basically you know re- redoing the whole the whole area to be the sustainable. Farm with meat that, and well, vegetables I think that's the way and stuff. Everybody right? used to do it, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what we're doing is we're is we're looking at the patterns of nature and saying, well, how did nature build soil? And when you look at when you look at the most fertile soils of the planet, whether it's the pampas in Argentina, the steppes of Mongolia, the you know the 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 mid the the, the middle of Canada and America. Um, you know these these tremendous fertile soils. Uh, these are the most fertile soils of of the world, and what built them was not forests, and it was not bushes or shrubs. It was prairies and and herbivores uh, with with predators and you know a whole uh, series of things, birds and all that. Mm-hmm. But you know, this this was this was not built with John Deere plows and ten 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 chemical fertilizer and and you know Roundup. <laughs> these soils, these this wealth that we're still mining, um, was built with a a very specific choreography, and the choreography 
was the foundation of the choreography was migratory migratory uh, uh, herds hordes include in fact mm-hmm. of of um, you know buffalo uh, wildebeest on the Serengeti um, you know caribou moose uh, yaks zebras. Uh, you know, all sorts of, and, and we know, we know that long time ago, there was a lot more megafauna, uh, than there is today. I mean, Australia had nine foot tall wombats, uh, you know, New Zealand had the herbivorous, um, uh, bird, the Manoa, uh, bird, and it stood six feet tall and was a, was a, um, an herbivore. Um, so there was this megafauna all over the planet. Europe, you know, had everything from mastodons to, you know, great big stuff. And, and so um, the fact is that gra- forages, forages as opposed to trees and shrubs, actually are more efficient at converting solar energy into biomass, into, into vegetable material, uh, than the trees and shrubs. It's a, because it has a, a much faster um, metabolic cycle. It, it, it goes through its cycle much faster. Which is a blessing in that it 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 it's so efficient at capturing solar energy, but it's a curse in that the cycle goes so fast. Um, you know, so it it you know grass and and forages. I mean, they can they can go through their entire uh, uh, growth and senescence in goodness, you know, eighty days. Yeah. And and, and so the so um, so the reason. For the herbivore is to prune just like a viticulturalist would prune a, a vineyard or an orchardist would prune an apple tree. The herbivore prunes that rapidly growing um, vegetation, the biomass, back to restart the juvenile, you know, the juvenile rapid growth phase. I call the herbivore, you know, uh, nature's uh, biomass accumulation restart button. <laughs> Now, when you take the herbivore out of that role and you divorce the herbivore from that historic role, then what was a beautiful symbiotic relationship becomes a liability. You know, you, you put that animal in a feedlot, now you got way too much manure in one spot. Instead of being a blessing that becomes a curse, you got you got animals staying in the same spots that are going to new ground, so now they're now they're in a toxic situation. The, the mob becomes toxic instead of protective, and um, and and the and the uh, the feed instead of them finding their own feed and using their mobility to move around. Uh, now you know we use petroleum and, and machinery in order to plant, harvest, and deliver uh, that feed stuff to the animal. And it's primarily annuals and not perennials. And annuals like corn and soybeans and rye and you know, small grains, um, it's not sinful to have small grains. I, you know, I like my rye bread as much as anybody else. Um, but but uh, herbivores were not designed to eat annuals. And so if we quit growing annuals to feed herbivores, we wouldn't need to grow very many of them. And and then we wouldn't have the you know the, the the ecological devastation that the tillage and the herbicides and all that stuff creates trying to grow annuals like corn and soybeans and things like that. 
annuals also have a very different energy cycle. You know, annuals put all their energy not in roots, but up here in, in a big seed, you know, an ear of corn, a, a pod of bean, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a, a group of seeds, a clump of, of, a clump of seeds for you know, grains. And, and a perennial uh, puts its energy in the roots under the soil so that it can survive calamities, you know, floods, droughts, uh, cold, hot, volcanoes, whatever, and, and, and live to fight another day. It doesn't depend on seeds. It depends on the savings account in the roots. And because the annuals put their energy above the ground and the perennials put their energy below the ground, that's why perennials build soil so much faster than annuals uh, is because they are soil builders rather than soil extractors. And, and so, you know, our, our, whole, our whole agriculture production system, if we, if we use modern technology like, you know, uh, plastic pipe to make streams run uphill, we can deliver water in a more perfect way than it ever was before. Or, or you know, portable electric fence. I mean, I mean, computer microchip energizers and electric fence is, is our whole. I mean, it, that allows us to put a steering wheel and an accelerator and a brake on that four-legged pruner. And those those herbivores around the landscape as precisely as you can a zero turn mower on a golf course. Hmm. That's pretty cool. And and we've never been we've never been able to do that before. So this is not about, you know, Luddites and anti-technology. It's about using the technology to caress and massage those great um, uh, choreographies that we see nature using in building symbiotic, complex relationships of plants and animals and the, and the, the sheer, you know, production that nature is able to do. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was going to ask you about is, is the difference between what, what, what we knew from our ancestors and from the way it used to be done compared to the technology or the new techniques that you've used uh, to enhance that or, and how much did you learn? Like how much did you figure out on your own compared to learning from, you know, history books or, or specific uh, lessons on farming? And then I just want to, I just want to make a note as well. Like, I think your mic or your phone is, um, is, uh, scratchy or something's going on with your, uh, Are you mm -hmm. cordless. No, no, I'm on a landline. Oh, it sounds good now. But yeah. It sounds better now. Good now. Sure. Yeah. All right. Might've just, uh, might've just wiggled something. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds um, good now. So sounds good now. Maybe yeah. that All wire right, was loose or something. Yeah. 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 All right. I just, I just shoved everything in good. So we'll, we'll see if it goes okay yeah um so so you know where did i learn all this stuff well i'm a voracious reader and um and of course i had a i had a dad who was a genius you know how they say the older you get the smarter your dad was <laughs> and uh, so I, that's where i am and um maybe someday my kids will say that about me too i don't know but anyway um you know, he was way ahead of his time. We we always said he was organic before Rachel Carson wrote Silent Spring. And his dad, my grandfather, was a charter subscriber to uh, Rodale's Organic Gardening and Farming magazine when it first came out. And, and he invented the term organic back in uh, 1949. So I have this wonderful family legacy of, of being, um, you know, uh, a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and and so I stand on the shoulders of, of great people. And then and then I've read. I've read a lot 
I've visited a lot of farms, and you know, and we've we've um, as we started at the top of the program, we've killed a lot of plants. You know, we've we've made a lot of mistakes, but we've been at it long enough to have punched through some of that. Um, you know, the well, the the learning curve, and um, we don't certainly don't know everything. We learn things every day, but uh, we we know we know enough um, that the production risk is pretty low now, and we know how to. We know how to, you know, produce this stuff without vaccines, without chemicals, without pharmaceuticals, and it's um, it's really quite exciting. Wow! And you're you're probably able to do that um, sustainably. Uh, well, I was in, I was wondering more about like uh, the cost implications of you compared to a factory farm, like at yeah, at the uh, sure. at the cash sure register. The- yeah, price price is always a, a a funny thing. So let, let's break it down a couple ways. I mean, first of all, I'm sure you've read the term um, externalized costs, and uh, the fact is that the supermarket cash register does not does not capture the pathogen pollution uh, sickness um, uh, costs of of poor quality food, and so. When our price at the cash register is higher, you know, there's no there's no pollution cleanup after after our food. There's no you know you're not going to get diarrhea you know from our food. You're not going to uh, you know these things and and so um, so all of our all of our cost is paid for at the cash register, including a living wage, which you know that's more and more a, a situation that. That's, that's, that's critical in our country. Um, anytime people start talking about changing immigration and that sort of thing, you know, the agriculture community goes ballistic because, you know, half of the work in agriculture is done by very, very cheap uh, foreign labor. And I don't want to get into, you know, a tangent on that, but all I'm saying is, you know, you, if, you want, if you want a food system that hires your neighbors, you have to pay for it at the cash register. You can't, you can't have the cheapest food policy and have, you know, a different kinds of of wage situation. Um, so, so you know that that's one element. Secondly, the best thing, the best way to drop your um, cost is to get in your kitchen, and this is what people aren't doing anymore. They're they're buying convenience uh, right now. You could come here to our farm or, or, you know, get on our delivery list, and we would bring you a chicken that's cheaper than the cheapest boneless, skinless breast at the supermarket. But you have to take a whole chicken, and you have to take a knife and cut out that breast. <laughs> um, and, and, and all I'm saying is if you really want to buy nutrition, you buy unprocessed whole foods, and then you again, you get jazzed about domestic culinary arts and you start using your kitchen. When I say, you know, domestic culinary arts, you know, I can hear the, you know, the pushback over the wires. Oh, wait, you know, I don't want to get in the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. You know, as if, as if, you know, getting in our kitchen is going back to some, you know, uh, uh, wash pan, uh, washboards and hoop skirts and hearth cooking. Um, Never has have kitchens been more techno glitzy 
than they are today. I mean, we got we got hot and cold running water, refrigerators, freezers, electricity, uh, you know, propane or electric ovens and stoves, timed bake, slow cookers, fry babies, uh, yogurt makers, ice cream makers, bread makers, you know, Cuisinarts. Uh, I mean, Grandma would have given her eye teeth for the stuff we have today. So, so never has it been easier to cook from scratch, but never have so few people been doing it. Mm. I love and cooking. So, so, yeah, that great, seems weird great. to me that people don't don't cook anymore. <laughs> well, um, they don't. I mean, what twenty twenty five percent of all food in America is eaten in a car? Twenty five percent of all food. Eighty eighty percent of eighty percent of Americans at four o'clock have no idea what they're going to eat for dinner. Eighty percent. Um, what's another one? Um, uh, the average American, and I don't know about Canada, so I'm just going to say American. The average, the average American um, spends less than 17 minutes a day uh, in their kitchen, less than 17 minutes. So you know, when you all you do is uh, put the pop tart in the toaster and the and the hot pockets in the microwave, you know, you got about 17 minutes. That doesn't leave you much time for doing much. Um, There's also the overeating, uh, overeating oh, 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 too. Here, 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 here's the other. Here's the one I like. Here's one I like. Seventy percent of all menus in America are chosen by people under ten years old. <laughs> I don't get that. So, well, the kids, the kids are running the house. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, okay, <laughs> the, I see what you the, mean. The, yeah, kid, yeah. The, the kid, the kids are deciding what's, what they're going to eat. You know, instead of instead of sit down and you know eat what's put before you, like I grew up. You know, instead, it's, well, what do you want, Johnny? Or, or better yet, Mac you know. Mac and cheese, yeah. Yeah, yeah, better, better yet, you know, Johnny doesn't even have to go to the table. You know, he goes and gets the single-service pudding, and, uh, you know, boom, that's supper. And um, and so, so, you know, listen, if if there's one um, what insignia, uh, I'll come up with this, if, if there's an insignia of the people who get a participatory integrity food system. It is this: they eat leftovers because the whole the whole convenience system is predicated on single service, no leftovers. You know, you you you, you pop the single service, whatever it is, and um, and so you know when you're when you're eating leftovers, that indicates that you're actually cooking from scratch, getting unprocessed food, and you know, and fixing it yourself. So so. Um, uh, finally, I'll just say this about price. Uh, when we talk about price, uh, whenever somebody says, well, you know, your stuff's, you know, more expensive or whatever, it's hard to buy. Uh, I say, okay, all right, here we're, we're going to go to your house. We're going to go to your house right now. And, um, and here's what we're not going to find at your house. I'm sure we're not going to find this at your house. We're not going to find any alcohol, cigarettes, or lottery tickets. We're not going to find um, Netflix widescreen TVs, iPads, iPhones. Uh, we're not going to find $100 designer jeans with holes already in the knees. We're not going to find, you know, People Magazine. Uh, you know, we're not going to find any soda. We're not going to find any takeout. We're not going to, okay. And, and you start down this list, and, man, the truth is that we, we purchase we, we purchased our value system. And if you want to make a change, you have to put emphasis on it. You know, I wish I could click my fingers 
and everybody in the world would suddenly really be eating high-quality, integrity, nutrient-dense food. I would love to be able to click my fingers and do that. But you can't, you can't do the same thing over and over and, and, and assume that you're going to have a different outcome. That's, the, whatever, that's Einstein's definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. And, and so if we're, if we're going to expect a different outcome, we have to start doing something different. And that's where personal responsibility comes in. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for somebody else. And I don't expect anybody else to do it for me. I need to do it for, for me. And, uh, and if we do that, uh, we will change the trajectory of our culture because our trajectory is the summation. It's the, it's the, it's the accumulation, the cumulative effect of all little billions and trillions of decisions that are made uh, every day among the citizenry. You put all those together and amalgamate them, and that's the culture we have. And if we're going to change that trajectory, those decisions one by one by one have to be made differently. Hmm. Yeah, well, well said. I agree. I also think we're eating too much as a culture as well. I mean, I think that I don't, I think we're going to find out in the future that this three meal a day thing was kind of more propaganda than anything. And we really don't need three full meals a day, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. I couldn't agree with you more. Yes. My kids Absolutely. need like eight I think... meals a day. <laughs> <laughs> so so you guys also uh you you do meat too right like p- pigs and um, yeah. and cattle and all that so but it's but it's grass fed and it's it's free range and all that and but you still do slaughter slaughter meat right oh yeah a lot yeah we dressed uh dressed 538 chickens this morning that's wow. delightful so that's what uh I mean, that's, that's, so at the end of the day, do you think that's more important than organic per se? Like, uh, I know in Canada, it's hard to find really organic meat, especially certain cuts, like, but it's easy to find stuff that's hormone antibiotic free, not easy. And it's a little expensive, but it's, it's, it's definitely a lot more findable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the, the truth is that, that, that government certified organic. I mean, we're not government certified organic because uh, there, there are there are things in the organic certification that the government's put together that are not are not helpful. I mean, for example, you have to certify that your compost goes over 140 degrees. Well, we don't want our compost to go over 140 degrees. No. Uh, we want a cool we want a cool compost. Um, uh, you know, more like 120, 125. I mean, it's warm, but it won't, you know, it won't scald your skin off your hand. And, um, and so there are, there are definitely certain things that to be organic certified would actually compromise our, our, our quality. And so we just, you know, we just don't play the government game. And uh, we tell our story and we, you know, we have a 24-7, 365 open door policy here to the farm. Anyone can come from anywhere in the world, anytime, uh, to see anything unannounced anywhere. And you don't have to walk through sheep dip or sign in or put on a hazmat suit or a gas mask or respirator. We don't have any skull and crossbones on our, you know, doors. And, um, you know, we don't have any manure lagoons. Yeah. I've, I've never, I've never had anybody drown in a compost pile. Um, so you know it's it's a very neighbor friendly, people friendly place, and we run this open open ship, open source, 
and we invite people to check us out. If you don't, you know, if you don't understand or you don't believe us or whatever, you know, come at two o'clock in the morning. Don't wake me up. But if you want to go walk the fields at two and see if that's when we're putting on uh, Roundup, we'll be my guest. You know, um, have at it. And and so, you know, we're very aggressive about this. Um, you know, this openness. We think that this transparency and openness is just is something that in our our litigious and paranoid um, modern techno world uh, we've lost, and we think it's it's a it's a, it's it's ultimately um, people centricity uh, people centricity actually you know is the secret to bringing back integrity. So we don't we don't play the certification games and yeah and one of the you know one of the reasons that uh, organic um, can be difficult is because of all the paperwork and so a lot of small small producers uh, frankly don't have the time or the energy or the stomach uh, to deal with all the uh, the paperwork and so you know we we do our alternative marketing tell our story take our pictures invite people out and that's our that's our certification. We we always tell people we're customer certified. That's the highest certification you can have. No doubt. Yeah, that's fantastic. Speaking of Roundup, have you heard that story about that Oregon farm that? Uh, that oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's something that the yeah, officials are uh, threatening to seize two thousand acres and spraying it with Roundup. Like what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's Azure Azure Farms. Yeah. If anybody wants to look it up, they can uh, you know they can Google Azure Farms. Um, been they've been organic for 17 years uh-huh. uh you know one of the one of the larger largest organic farms in the country and uh, what they've got is a, a i don't know all the details but apparently there's there's a weed or two that they that they have that everybody has out there and um and they refuse to spray for it um i'm, I'm confident that that their weed that their population of this particular weed or weeds is is probably no more than anybody else who does spray. It's just the idea that uh, that they don't spray, and so they're, you know, they're the heretic. The orthodoxy is that you spray for this stuff, and this, you know, this this is certainly crossing a fine line here between tyranny, tyranny and liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the when the culture uses the point of a gun to come to you and tell you you have to apply an herbicide on on a weed um that's that's going that's that's kind of your fist hitting my nose i think and uh seems like we're and, and we're getting yeah food's another one of those industries now that just it's time for a pushback if we don't push back now it'll just be lost forever right right and and so you know, in my view, what's happening to Azure Farms out there? I wrote my letter. I wrote my letter to the judge, and I hope other people do as well. Uh, the hearing is going to be May 22, but um, but yeah, this is this is back to you know the Inquisition and uh, and the her- you know the heretics that won't you know that won't tow the the orthodox line. You know, we put them on the rack and then we burn them at the stake. And um, you know, they're not burning them at the stake, but they're you know throwing Roundup on all their possessions. So it's pretty, it's pretty close to, you know, destroying your life and your livelihood. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, this is, this is, um, this is real serious stuff. You know, we've moved against a, a crazy line. I mean, like take GMOs. I mean, uh, GMOs, you know, this is patented 
patented life forms that could never exist outside human manipulation. And, and uh, so, you know, here, a patented life form from a, a corporate owner uh, drifts across the wind and, uh, and trespasses on my property. You know, there are beings, there are life forms on my property. You know, you would think that I could go down to the district attorney and uh, get a restraining order and 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 uh, and hold them liable for trespass. <laughs> um, but instead of that, uh, they can come and get an order on me to pay them a royalty and a penalty for uh, unlicensed usage of their beings. I mean, it's like if you had a bull come over to my farm or my house, my garden, and trample my rose bushes, uh, I could go to the district attorney and say, "Hey, you know that." Let's bring that neighbor in for trespass violations. This bull trampled by roses. Can you imagine a magistrate looking at you and saying, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. No. No, actually, you have to pay him for the privilege of his bull <laughs> coming over and trampling your rose bushes. It's, it's, it's just it's insane what we're doing. It's just, it's just madness. So while I very much appreciate the proliferation of farmers markets and the growing awareness of people, I also see this other you know, juggernaut uh, from the other direction that's that's coming along, and you know, not to be negative, but I can assure you that uh, you know the war hasn't been won yet. I mean, if if there is a war between you know um, uh, a truth and a lie, um, uh, that that war is uh, is far from you know <laughs> far from determined right now, and and it's it's uh, it's exciting days. <laughs> Yeah. What about uh, government subsidies? Like, is that how much of a role do they play? Because I've heard kind of both ways on those. Yeah. Well, I'm. A, I mean, I'm a. I'm a libertarian. I don't think the government should subsidize anything. I, think I would agree with you on a, that. A, I think it should be about a tenth the size that it is, and uh, and leave. You're in Canada. Leave the provinces uh, free to to do their experiments, uh, and in the, in the states here to to let the states do their experiments drop the federal uh, intrusion uh, down substantially and, and let a lot of experiments happen on the more provincial and local level. Uh, that way you could have a lot more, you know, trials and, and experiments going on simultaneously. And it's not a one size fits all, you know, a winner take all kind of thing. And, uh, and I, I just think that, that governance, governance is best when it's at the lowest, you know, the smallest level or the most local level possible of that. You know, when it comes to, you know, uh, the, the, the common defense of the country, uh, that's something that the federal has to uh, handle because the locality can't uh, do that. But um, most things, most things can absolutely be handled at a much smaller level than the, than the federal level. And, and we'd have much more freedom and many more, you know, innovative prototypes. Uh, if if we had those amount of experiments going on, and not only that, I mean, there was a time when you used to move to a different little corner of your country for a reason, right? And you know, sure. in Canada, I think we're probably worse off than you are for federal government. Uh, oh yeah, oh no, I mean the quota, the quota system. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Canada's. Uh, way worse than we are here. Um, 
I think but, your phone. You know, I think your phone cord is uh, cutting out again a little bit. If you could try plugging it back in. Is it? Yep. Are we, are we okay now? I think uh, so. Okay. Oh no, it's still. Yeah. Uh, still funny. Yeah, a little bit. How's that? Yeah, that sounds better. better. Yeah. yeah. I'm better. So, I think this phone is probably about fifty years old. <laughs> So are you are you go, are you going to that uh, that Red Pill Expo in Montana? I sure am. Yes, looking forward to it. What will you be talking about yeah, there? Uh, well, they're go- I'm going to be talking about um, about food liberty and farm liberty uh, as it you know as it just overall uh, freedom to make our choices in food. Um, you know you're. You're free to get cigarettes and uh, alcohol, and in many states now marijuana. No but raw uh, milk. but you can't you can't buy a glass of raw milk. In fact, um, <laughs> a couple times ago, I was up in Canada. I was up in Canada speak. I go to Canada several times a year usually, and um, I was up there speaking, and I found out that it was illegal to transport on the public roadways raw milk. Well. I had spoken, I didn't know that, uh, but I had spoken at this conference um, in Edmonton or something, and um, a lady came up with a with a little cooler and a towel and gave me a, a quart of raw milk. People do this, you know, when I travel. And, and I took it back to the hotel, and, and so, you know, I said thanks and, and kept it here on the table. I was signing signing autographs, books. And uh, so we got done and, and uh, got in the car to go back to the hotel, and I had this glass of raw milk, and that's when my... My uh, host told me that um, you know that it was illegal to transport. Now, you know, he, he took me to the hotel and I drank it all down. Um, but you know, I thought, wouldn't that be hilarious if I got if we got stopped by a cop and I got thrown in jail? You know, American farmer gets thrown in jail in Canada for transporting raw milk to his hotel room. That would be. It almost be worth it. It almost be worth it to yeah, do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I was looking around. I was hoping we could do something, you know, to attract the cop and. <laughs> And uh, so it happened. I mean, that'd make that'd make a well. You could write about that for days, man. I got a raw milk guy in Manitoba. <laughs> I don't have a raw milk guy in Alberta, actually. So if you're in Alberta and you have raw milk, oh, Michael's, Michael's Michael has a raw milk, milk guy. Yeah, <laughs> of course he does. So what else are you planning on doing in the future here? Then um, how are you going to keep spreading this message? You've well, got, you might go to the conference, right? I might go to the conference. Yeah, I might. I might see you down there, Joel. I'm not sure. Michael was going to go too, but he might not be coming. We'll see. Great, great. I hope you do. Um, yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I continue to continue to travel and write, and, and of course, I'm still very much a farmer. I'm I'm here two thirds of the time. I'm sitting here right now at the desk with you know, grease all over my hands because I got the hay baler ready to go today. We're going to bale our first hay tomorrow. Chicken blood um, all over you? Yeah, yeah. I butchered those chickens this morning, <laughs> and so I, I, I think I got most of that cleaned off. Um, but but um, I've got another book coming out in August, and um, an exciting project. Uh, I've just finished with my daughter, who's quite a gifted little artist. Um, she, uh, I mean, She's not not little. She's short, but she's not. <laughs> anyway, she's thirty. All right. Uh, my daughter and I have just finished our first children's book. Uh, the title is uh, Patrick Pigeon's Great Grass Adventure with Greg the Grass Farmer. And what we've tried to do is take these concepts of 
of biomass and pruning and, and, and put them in, you know, language that a four to seven year old can understand, make an interesting story with good illustrations and, um, and, and bring some of these concepts to kids. And, um, so that's going to come out by the 1st of August. So we're pretty excited about that. And, uh, Chelsea Green is going to, Chelsea Green Publishing is going to distribute it. And this will be the first, the first children's book that Chelsea Green has ever distributed. So we're pretty excited about that. And um, and we'll see we'll see how it goes. And if it if it goes well, then um, you know we can imagine you know numerous additional things that the that this uh, Patrick Pigeon could uh, could watch um, watch uh, Greg the Grass Farmer do. <laughs> cool. Kind of kind of like kind of like Bob, yeah, kind of like Bob the Builder, you know. Yeah, Darren and Michael both have kids, and they're both into this stuff, so they'd they'd love to. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch and order that book uh, when when yeah. it comes out. Good. Kids are unvaccinated, Good, organic eating, so they should live longer than me. <laughs> <laughs> they might be the first generation that lives longer. Yeah, they should live longer that's than because I I got I was into all that shit for thirty years. Yeah, yeah, I'm that's just right. It. Now yeah. they they haven't had it. You know, they had once in a blue moon. I mean, we slip when we go to a restaurant, and things like that. But for yeah. the most part, they haven't had any of that crap ever. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I bet I bet they're healthy too. Oh yeah, they're they're quite healthy and smart and energetic. Yeah, and troublemaking. Smart, and smart, yeah, smart, smart enough to back talk you and that sort of stuff. That's right. And then prefer outside <laughs> to inside in the summer and all those fun things. Yeah. Okay, Joel. Where can our uh, before we let you go? Where can our listeners track you down? Are you on Twitter and Facebook and? Anything like that? Uh, well, yeah. The, the the thing is, is you know, I'm, I don't exist except through Polyface Farm. I, yeah, I'm a luddite. I don't do all this stuff. But we certainly have an active, uh, you know, Facebook page at the farm. It's, it's Polyface Farms. We have a website, and um, um, so there's you know, we have a media presence. We have uh, what is it, Snapchat or Instagram or something? I can't keep them all straight. But <laughs> anyway, just um, just Google us up there, Polyface Farms. And uh, it'll pop up, and you'll see whatever you want to whatever you want to see. There's a lot of information on the website. We try to, you know, keep people abreast of of, of stuff that's going on, and and uh, my speaking schedule's on there. So if people are listening to this uh, that want to come and and know where I'm going to be, why well, you know it's all listed there out as far as as far as I know. And when I book another one, it goes on the goes on the website. So a lot of information there. Everybody's welcome to jump on that. Yeah, it's a great website. There's tons of literature on there, and then you've also you guys have also made some um, some media as well for people, right? Like DVDs and stuff like that that they can get. Yes, yes, we have. We we've got one on our buying clubs, one on the pigs, one that's macro on the farm. Uh, there was one made by an Australian group called Polyfaces, and uh, it's 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 uh, interesting, you know, uh, about these concepts. It's a do- documentary. So yeah, there's um, there's numerous uh, video resources there as well. Mm-hmm. Right on. I think you guys are doing some of the most important work, and it's it's really some of the most inspiring work as well. Just that there's hope to to turn the corner here into beyond organic agriculture and, and get back to the healthy stuff. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to leave all the processed foods in the in the supermarket and and just eat, right. eat a little bit better myself. But it's it's so good yep. to hear that. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I was inspired. I watched that. That movie, and then I seen uh, his website on. It's just, it's just so inspiring. So yeah, well, very cool. Well, yeah. thank, thank you very much, and uh, it's, it's sure an honor to, uh, to have a good discussion with you guys.
Right on. Enjoy your time at uh, in Montana at that conference, and I might see you down there. Good. I hope so. You take care. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Joel. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Uh, bye. Now was a chat with Joel Salatin. Like I said, man, it's inspiring. Most farmers seem to be libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the video on there where they move all the no, animals I around grazing that, no, on? I'm it's, familiar it's with pretty it. It's fantastic. Like, isn't it like, like four spaces? It's like a quadrant where you got the chickens go through and then the yeah, cows. And then yeah. And then, the, and then, and then it, you plant the food and then. Yeah. And then the soil's all like it repairs the soil. Like, you know, you hear people talking about how we've destroyed agriculture and the soil's gone, right? Like, the, but, yeah. but the way these guys do it, like well, it even, can all be regenerated, right? Even like, Marty Travis is going to come on the show. Eventually, probably later in the summer. When Is that the guy down. from Sustainable? That's the guy from uh, Sustainable yeah. from uh, whatever, Spence Farms, I think. Mm-hmm. And he came back to his family farm that was... Uh, destroyed. Was right? destroyed. The soil was destroyed. And he was able to reclaim it by planting clover. He had to plant a lot of plants. A variety of stuff. Yeah, and some of it was stuff you don't even eat. Like a lot of it was just... Uh, companion plants yeah. that help the soil they add, they, they'll naturally add nitrogen to the soil so they'll pull the nitrogen out of the air and put it into the soil so that you don't have to dump it in there And I mean there's a whole fucking science to it yeah and it's good that uh, and there's a natural science to it it's good that, the, it's good it, that right? these farmers it's... that are articulate and things like that are starting to come forward and you know you just yeah. hope it's not too late yeah like I say, uh, it's funny because I shared a picture the other day. It was like the revolution might doesn't look like you think. And it was someone who had just turned their whole front yard into a vegetable garden. Yeah, like that's what I wonder. Why are we not like growing more start stuff? Growing like, their own, well, even you, you could be growing quite a bit nah, of food. Just yeah, you've got a south, I can't even have a fucking Oh, plant. you, you have a south-facing balcony. Do you yeah, still no, have a south no, balcony? I don't, I, don't, I don't get any sun now. Because you could grow fucking your lettuce right on your balcony, right in your window. I'll just get it from you guys. You guys are... No, no. Both grown That's stuff, illegal. That's fucking illegal, bro. I'm not gonna steal it. I think it's illegal to try to give food if you grew it yourself, isn't it? I I bet you it is. It's Canada. I bet you it's illegal. Because now, if you get sick off that food, I have no. Re- you have no recourse because no. I don't have insurance. No. I think that's the whole raw milk thing. Yeah, but raw milk is a special case. You can so drive down. Lettuce. You can drive no. I Check out carmarket.ca so. slash support guy. Guys, guy. So, so guy, the one guy who usually donates every month, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> That's Bill the Shill from the yeah, chat room. Bill the Shill from the chat room, yeah. See, it's too bad because Michael doesn't do Google, but he would probably love the chat room. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, he should get in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially Bill the Shill is in the chat room right now. There's a guy in the chat room, Michael, with a, there's a bee that always shows up in the chat room, but he's he never, never commented. Anything. So everybody's like, hey, Bill, we just call him Bill. <laughs> All right, guys, check out GoodMarket.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly if you can, one-time donation if you can. Uh, there's a bunch of ways you can support the show. We didn't add them to the page yet. We're just going to do that when the new web page comes out. Um, big thanks to Jane for the new server space, which won't cost us anything when we eventually switch over, but that's going to be a process. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, the show notes have everything there. Uh, nine out of ten ways to support the show are absolutely free. Leave a review to to offset the one star that we got not too long ago. Yeah, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna go through that on the next oh, day. Yeah? Sure, we'll okay. read that. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, leave review, review the show wherever you can, share the show wherever you can, uh, tell your friends about this motherfucker, spam gram. I think that's about it. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week.
But for us, it's different. Consider again that but. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering. Thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines. Every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization. Every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a boat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. Thank you. 